not a lot of people know this about Dr. Brian Doak, but he is an expert consultant. He was an expert consultant mm-hmm. on a TV show once. Uh, my one moment. It was really exciting. And I want to say it happened in the great state of Wyoming. It did happen in Wyoming. <laughs> so what? how has your life changed? Oh. Tell us about your consulting role. Oh, in manifold ways. And how has your life changed after that? You are listening to Weird Religion. Hey, welcome to Weird. Uh, welcome to Weird Religion. My name is Brian Doe, and I'm Leah Payne. And we're not re-recording that. This is nope. Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird and love it anyway. And we are absolutely thrilled to be talking today about being a consultant for TV based on your expertise, Dr. Brian Doe. Tell yeah. us what it was like. So. I, I felt so honored. This was on a show called um, America Unearthed. It was on the Travel mm-hmm. Channel. Now it's on the History Channel, and it's more popular than ever before. I give a round of applause Yay. to the cast of that show and to Scott Walter, the host. Really wonderful people. But they called me to debunk a fake Phoenician inscription that w- someone said was real, and that was a magic charm of some kind, and that mm-hmm. brought their family good luck. And mm-hmm. maybe it did, mm-hmm. but it was not a real Phoenician inscription. I had a lot of fun with it. I felt so cool. I felt so fun, like being purchased, you know, having a flight purchased for me in a rental car. And I felt like almost like Indiana Jones, like driving oh. out to the site and doing this stuff. And just so you know, all it was if so you fun. haven't if you it haven't so seen fun. it, I mean, it's really fun because they really build up the dun 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 oh, yes. factor. So it's like, is this and they an use, authentic? Yes. And they use me as the fulcrum of the show oh. at, at the key point. And I really appreciated that. And that's my only time I've ever done it. It was so fun. <laughs> every, I, every scholar dreams of that. I, I have think. I have lost I've lost a significant amount of weight since I was on that show. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say. Well, did um, you feel self-conscious? No, no, and I and I didn't I didn't feel bad yeah. about myself before, but it's like the the you know, I look at myself then and I'm like, Oh, I, I've gone on this athletic, you know, and, and food journey oh. really just for myself internally mm-hmm. since that mm-hmm. time. And so mm-hmm. it's uh it's kind of like a throwback to a different life and you know, I I had so much fun though. Well we should include a I link. should not have brought the food <laughs> angle into that. We're gonna edit that out. We'll edit it out. Well, I mean I think you were kind of living the dream of many scholars of being presented as yeah. the authority i don't know how it could have got any better than that <laughs> that was as good as it possibly could be for me and i don't know what to do with the next 20 ish years of my career well we'll find something to do okay. we'll be we'll be we'll podcast right through that yep. but plow through i thought i i, I saw a news story on religion news service mm. that um i thought was kind of interesting and oh that, you texted this to me i'm gonna go there now i did the headline is Horror shows like Mayfair Witches hire occult consultants to cast spells. Oh. And the whole show or the whole article is about how, you know, in maybe in previous versions of horror or the kind of similar genres, fantasy, um, probably some sci-fi too. Yeah. They sort of made up things, made up spells. Oh, yeah. But and increasingly, shows are going for authentic depictions of the occult. And it made me think, well, first it made me think of one episode of one of my favorite shows of all time uh-huh. called Supernatural. There's a small but very vibrant fan base. I have heard, yeah, dozens of <laughs> listeners like Dr. I, Leopold. Oh. I've heard you rave about this show now oh, for years. I love it. Since we started the it. pod in 2018, you've been talking about this show. I have never watched a single episode oh, of this show. Dr. Brian Apparently Doak. not many people have. Okay, but before we watch it. <laughs> Suspense builds. Can yes. I ask you one simple question mm-hmm. about what you've said already, which right. is 
why are shows getting more intense about getting more accurate depictions of spells and things like what's what's the what's the kind of cultural context for wanting to be more accurate and not simply making stuff up it is a tv show well after all i think it's really fascinating well oh so according to the article uh, the creator of the show wanted to present witchcraft in a way that seemed authentic and true so i think like in but why some- but like why even do that like you know it doesn't have to be why do I think that they're doing yeah, that? Yeah, like, 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 is is this? In other words, maybe instead of like asking a leading question, I'll just say, is this is the, the does this come embedded in a larger conversation that we've been having culturally about things like appropriation? Like, you, oh, right, is, is that is mm-hmm. that, the, and it's a sense of like trying to honor everyone's community and commitment, like not just like oh, if you have a pastor, you'd consult a Christian scholar or whatever, but even if it's witchcraft, we'll consult oh, Wiccans and da da da, yes. da and we'll make oh, sure. Perhaps. Does it come embedded in that kind of context? Or is this just about like the way our geek culture has evolved to the point where it's like a competition to be like more accurate? Oh, you know, I, I actually interpret it maybe not so much that direction because it I don't know, this could be just be me being a cranky scholar, but mm. I think still most depictions of even the most mainstream versions of Christianity could use consulting a little tweaking like, yeah to to be more they did consult with somebody but likely it was one of our enemies let's say yes one of our scholar enemies <laughs> we have many no just kidding um but i, I do i, I do. i'm not kidding <laughs> i interpret enemies. it i interpret it as kind of proof that there's so much more um knowledge that is accessible through things like social media and it seems wise to if you're yes. going to present something as such right. you can just assume that any of us yes. can Wikipedia something yes. or look in, yes. you know, TikTok. There's probably a TikTok account that is dedicated to whatever tiny yes. little subfield. No, that was my second suggestion. Yes. It's about geek culture and it's about people knowing things now and people will point out mistakes in ways that are really niche. Yes. I mean, I like the ideological one that you brought up, the idea that people would be more attentive to, sure. you know, issues of appropriation or or even just uh, minoritized religious groups. That would make me feel a little happy, but- yeah. I think it's probably more about market pressures. And by, appro- That's just my own. and by appropriation, in case it's not clear, I mean, these terms are thrown around. I, I mean, something like like appropriation of what I, as a human person, mm-hmm. as opposed to when I'm speaking not as a human person, what I would call... Spooky Mulder. Um, <laughs> You know, just like taking someone else's tradition, a tradition that's not yours or their language or their race, and just like using it in a way that's very instrumental or almost like makes makes it seem foolish or mystical or ridiculous in order to like get a plot point on your show or something. Yes. And I think so. the way it's typically used is, and also profiting that you would yes, profit right. in some way right. um, based on an identity that you, right. you have taken up instead of being something that is kind of like the yours. idea of like, I can make fun of my home state, Wisconsin, but like you can't just be <laughs> from California and start making fun of my home state. You know, <laughs> that's actually not a perfect parallel. Are Wisconsin people, very proud of their state? Oh, yes. I'd say really? as proud as or there are two kinds of states. Like are they Texas proud because everyone I know from I think, Texas I think is there like are two Texas ki- forever. I think there are two kinds of states. Okay. There are states where people are proud of their state like a lot. There's a line. Okay. And then there are states where not so much. Mm-hmm. I think Texas, yes, obviously you can't get much more proud than Texas. You have to do the scale is Texas. So it's like the on scale a scale of te- 1 to Texas. 1 to Texas. <laughs> Texas is Texas. Um but well, like Oregon, people are very proud of Oregon. I think They are? They're There's proud a, of it? I don't well, maybe not. I think Wisconsin's more proud of Wisconsin than Oregon is of Oregon. Yeah, that makes sense. I sense and listeners call me out, but like I sense like Indiana, Ohio, not super proud oh. of their state. Oh, well, I don't know. 
don't know. Illinois? Ma- Mayor Pete talks about Illinois. Indiana. Uh, Illinois. Um, okay, I don't know. I, someone from Illinois, tell me, no, like, but, are you proud of Illinois? Okay, but it's think not about a bad this, thing. Though. It doesn't mean you have a bad state. I'm just saying, like, aggregate on total, how proud are you of I your will state? though say Chicagoans are very proud. Well, Chicago's a great American city. Right. right so the heart, maybe the there's like a micro trend there because I think that yeah. when people are from Portland, Oregon, yeah. sometimes they're a little smug about it, to be totally honest. I lived in Missouri for five years. I didn't think very many people are proud of Missouri as, mm. the, as their state. Mm. In fact, I saw a t-shirt that said, it had like Missouri, like with an arm out hugging Kansas and it said, <clears throat> Missouri loves company. Get it? Get it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have, we've like really steered... What Far we, from the back. <laughs> we are supposed to be talking about hiring consultants oh, yes. for yes, yes. so so witchcraft and of course that's a category that mm. includes many different forms yes. of minoritized religions that um we had actually a whole episode about um these types of of religious movements that um some scholars argue thrive during periods of um uncertainty or yes. transition in in big cultural context. So anyway, but the idea that you would hire a consultant mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. um, this reminded me of an episode of Supernatural wherein, and the, the setup of Supernatural, and I've pitched it to you as this, and I think this is probably why you haven't watched the show, is two handsome brothers okay. go on a, a quest to save the world from supernatural destruction and reunite their family. That and was, I think that, that was, was almost something. Like, that was almost like Property Brothers up to a point. <laughs> Two handsome brothers go on a quest to save how people's home homes. Buying. No, no, no. But okay. this is the world. Okay. The the cosmic order. Okay. Um, and so every episode, it's sort of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the sense that there's like a monster of the week. Okay. So every episode okay. includes nice. something. And so one of these episodes, the two brothers go to a movie set okay. where mysterious happenings are happening. Oh. And we find out that the movie script. Okay. They should have hired a consultant mm-hmm. because the movie script is using this ancient curse. Uh oh! I see. Okay, I'm about to start this. They are okay. on a movie set. You got a picture like you're you're kind of behind the director here, and you're mm-hmm. looking. We'll post this clip, of course, and you can watch. This is Supernatural season two, episode eighteen, Hollywood Babylon. Your Talking sister. through. Got it. Good. Now let's get busy. Got. Very nice. No good set. for sound. I'm getting some kind of feedback. Uh oh, feedback. Yep. So something's, something's going to go wrong Another here. costly sound delay. All right, we're going again for sound, people. Thank you. No, 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 no. Look, it's a, it's a great scene. Really, really dynamite. But I still got a few not, not problems. Just questions. like a Hollywood guy with like what? Well, for He's one thing, problems. the rules aren't really landing for me. Like, the kids do this Latin chant, and that makes the ghost show up? Yeah. Well, see, but if the ghosts are in hell, how do they hear the chanting? I oh, mean, come on. We know they can hear it. Well, they had super hearing? Well, it's a logic bump. The rules don't track. Marty, you're the writer. What if I throw in an explainer? <laughs> Marty, yeah, that'd be super. Excuse me, I got to check some messages. Yeah, okay. So the, the basically the idea is that um, there is a Hollywood type who wants this particular chant, this occult, yep. like uh, ancient cultic chant to mm-hmm. in some way conform to his sensibilities about profitable movie making Mm -hmm. and so it's a it's a funny episode where there's like back and forth between um none of these people realize that they have actually done something i'm still watching on silent and now there's a ghost woman looking at him oh right what is she about that part body paint 
He's black and white thing, but she. He thinks she's in costume. I don't think those neck wounds are gonna really gonna read on camera. Okay, but she's kind of scary. Yeah. Okay. Dun, so dun, so dun. it goes on. But this thing about Latin, like, oh, can they hear it from hell? What's happening? Right. So he's kind of being the. Like, what's he doing in that moment? He's, he's, he's consulting. Yes, he's, well, he's consulting from a market-based perspective. Mm-hmm. And the whole, I, the whole premise of the episode is that they didn't hire a consultant. Uh, they accidentally uh, do this terrible thing. Uh, and evil things ensue. And a ghost comes. And, you know, there's, it's it's a horror show. So if horror is not your thing, I don't really recommend it. It's pretty clean because it was on, um, I think, the CW. So it's, it's like PG-13 horror, mm-hmm. which I, I like horror of many varieties but uh anyhow Leah so, mostly likes rated r to nc-17 no 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 i did not say that you didn't I, have to i do like mike flanagan stuff though shout out to mike flanagan if you're listening if you're listening mike yeah um but anyhow so i it got me thinking about your role as a consultant yeah. and, it, and it got me thinking about here we are we've got this religion and pop culture podcast and we are constantly complaining to each other to our colleagues about how our field is represented yeah. in you know popular culture and I thought I would ask is there a bad or good version mm. of your particular fields you talk about ancient Hebrew Bible type mm. stuff ancient Near Eastern Hebrew Bible yep. stuff yep and is there any kind of representation that you've seen where you thought either wow they did a great job or whoo they should have had a consultant. That's a great question. I mean, two moments come into mind. The first one I'll brush past in order to get to the second one. Okay. I have an example to share on this front. The first one, uh, the, the biggest big Bible movie I've seen recently was if several years ago now, which was the Noah movie. Oh, right. The, uh, and you liked the, that, uh, right? Darren Aronofsky mm-hmm. Noah movie. I did like it. I thought it was great. Many people did not think it was great. Um, and yeah. I don't know who the consultants were on that, but I thought it was just fine. Yeah. I thought it was fine. It's it's entertainment. It was basically the biblical story. Yes, it had some of the Enoch stuff in there, which is not strictly Bible. It was maybe kind of like para-Bible mm-hmm. from Enoch, mm-hmm. which is in fact, by the way, the book of Enoch is canonical for some Egyptian Coptic groups of Christians. There you go. Um, or uh, uh, Yes, uh, in Ethiopia, I should say. Yeah. Um, and so in that sense, just straightforward Bible. But whatever the case, um, by the way, did I ever tell you that when I watched that movie... There were very few people in the theater, and I watched it with a friend uh-huh. named Michael. Shout out to Michael. And when the film ended, people started filing out. You know, there's an awkward movie when a film ends. Like, right. What do you do? Do you get up and run out? Do you wait? <laughs> yes. And we're sitting there, and this woman in the back, and I know it was a woman because I, I could hear her, and I stood up and I looked at her after she started um, melting down. Oh, no. She stands up and goes, and there were probably like eight people in a theater, mm-hmm. just like crickets. Mm-hmm. And Michael and I are sitting in the middle of the theater. And she stands up and goes, why couldn't they just get it right? (gasps) She said that exact phrase. Why couldn't they just get it right? I remember thinking like like three people in there. You know, what are you trying to say? Like, what do you want them to do? Just scroll the black and white words of the Bible (laughs) on the screen? (laughs) Like, what would getting it right be? But, you know, she felt so she felt very put off. Okay. Like that wasn't right. But here's an example. I Okay. One of the most popular Bible things on now is called The Chosen. Mm-hmm. It's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a huge it's show. It's huge. It's all over the place. If it you, is. If you've never seen a clip or heard a clip of The Chosen, we'll put one up here and you can watch it. And this is a very niche thing that I wish would be different. Okay. Let's in see In all of the screenshots, in all of the thumbnails that they do on YouTube, uh-huh. and in all the advertising, 
the face of Jesus is almost always smiling. Oh. In this super winning Hollywood Jesus like smile. Great teeth, handsome. I'll play I'll play a scene and you can't see the smile by hearing it, but maybe it'll give you at mm-hmm. least some sense. This is Jesus in a famous moment where there's a healing at the pool in John chapter five, mm-hmm. someone's waiting by a pool. They want to be healed, but they can never get into the water fast enough. And so Jesus is like, Hey, why don't you, you know, be forgiven of your sins and be healed all at the same time. So here he is about okay. being healed. Jesus is smiling the face of Jesus here. It's so smiley. And he's, he's laughing. The guy being healed. Okay. Leo's coming around to watch. Okay. Oh, they're the fair. The mean Pharisees are looking over the shoulder. Oh yeah. Here he goes. He goes. <laughs> he's laugh crying, cry laughing. Can't believe that because he's just been healed. So oh, yeah. smile. He is very handsome. Look, look at the Pharisees. Oh. And Jesus kisses him. Jesus kisses him. And then walks away. And how would you like to see? Now here's, okay, what's my beef with this? Come what on. is your beef? I mean, he's, here's he's my a beef. handsome savior. Here's my beef. <laughs> I think, you know, I think some better, more accurate New Testament kind of like history, first century, kind of like Jewish prophet consulting here Uh, might have yielded a less like friendly Jesus. Oh, I like that. And I think that there are moments like there's a moment, for example, I should have done my homework on this um, text criticism. Jesus looked at him in anger. Um, There's a famous moment in the book of Mark. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, it's in Mark chapter one. Right. Okay. Um, so in the oldest text of, of this, of Mark chapter one, this is Jesus is, is encountering a man with leprosy, quote mm-hmm, unquote leprosy, mm-hmm, some mm-hmm. kind of skin problem. Right. And in this healing passage, in the, in, the man says to Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Mm. And then um, verse 41, Jesus was indignant. He was angry. He reached out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing to be clean. But there are some variant texts here which say that Jesus looked at him with like compassion or something like right, that. Right, right. Um, but actually the more the more straightforward reading here, like for instance, um, King James Bible, Mark chapter one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at Mark chapter one, say in the KJV, verse 41, Jesus and Jesus looked at him with compassion. So oh, why would okay. they... So, this is this is what's called in textual criticism, trying to figure out which text is the original text mm-hmm. and how this, to harmonize them yeah, or not. So this principle would be called lectio difficilier, mm-hmm. the more difficult reading. Mm-hmm. So if you have these two variants, which of these is more likely to be historically accurate? Lectio difficilier says the one that's more difficult, because why would you change a, right, a, a right. an easier reading to a more difficult the one, one that's the more surprising, right, the one that doesn't seem right, to harmonize? Right, the surprising one is the one that's probably more original. That would be changed to the more palatable reading. So this reading of Jesus looked at him with anger mm-hmm. is probably the correct ah, reading. Okay, okay, and a good translation has that. So, okay, so it's like maybe Jesus in his healings, he's not always like happy with these people. Why do you have to show him like smiling? Like, don't really show this. Like, I, I would like to see a depiction of Jesus, which is like almost like the apocalyptic prophet. Oh, I'm here And I'm for not that. saying, I have not seen a lot of The Chosen. I've watched parts of some episodes. Maybe somebody who's watched it all will text or message us and be like, hey, they do have Jesus in unhinged sure, sure, moments. Sure, sure, But my sense is the kind of networking face of the show, it's constantly like this friendly Sunday school Jesus. Yes. And I think that a little consulting there, you could get something that's a little bit more, more, 
I, I don't know that that shakes the viewer in a different way. And I, I don't know how this is like necessarily like New Testament quote, biblically accurate to show this like smiling Jesus all the time. Well, I, you know, I, I, so I studied with a really extraordinary Jesus scholar, um, Amy Jill Levine in my, Oh yeah. Um, she's great. Way younger years. Oh, excellent. And one book that she recommended to me way back when was this book by uh, a scholar named Graham Twelfth Tree called Jesus the Exorcist? Oh yes, and I'm I familiar think, with it by title. I okay, it, yes. If they would have con- consulted with somebody like that, I think they would have gotten more of the oh, I don't know, the firebrand yes. qualities. And I'm with you. I when I think about, I remember in class, um, Amy Jill Levine saying um, to us. So there are all these accounts where Jesus says, like, take up your nets and follow me. Yeah. And how would he, you know, what would make you respond to someone in the affirmative? Mm-hmm. You'd think they'd need to come at you with a pretty strong flavor, you know, like a, a, an intensity. But maybe I'm just reading my own cultural context. All that to say, I'm really, I, I, I can see that. I appreciate well, that. I, but that, this is precisely what I'm talking about. The reading the own cultural context is mm-hmm. like... Maybe it's just my preferences. I like a spicy depiction. Yeah, and maybe, <laughs> but I think I think the people and and the audience of the chosen. It's it's very much it's created to show in sermon clips. Right. That's what it is it's for. It's a safe evangelical kind of. It is. It is. It is for Bible study groups and so on. And so I think that there's a bias there. Oh, like it kind of reflects a certain consensus about totally. this is what we imagine. Like we imagine Jesus, Jesus be like. being in this particular way. I'm not saying you can't read the Gospels and find Jesus in tender moments. My, my impression of how the show is often doing this is that their impression is that you you can't find these kind of like really harsh moments. I, I would love, I, I don't mean, know. to me, I like, I'm, I'm probably missing I like the drama, the show, I like the conflict. And so I would, I would also enjoy that. Um, yes. So, well, I, there's one show that I recently watched that had a figure that I have studied and read a lot mm-hmm. about and written a lot about. I'm a woman named Amy Semple McPherson who started the Foursquare Church. She is depicted, not by name, uh, they changed her name, in HBO's Perry Mason, which is a prequel to the old TV show that I used to watch with my mom when I was sick. I've watched it as well. Um, And it is a noir show set in the 1920s in Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. And noir, Los Angeles, one of my favorite genres. So already they had me there and I love Perry Mason. Mm -hmm. But this show has a character named Sister Alice who is very closely modeled after Amy Semple McPherson who was an evangelist in the 1920s and their depiction of her well can I play a little bit for you okay here she is one of the rare mega church uh, early mega church leaders okay here she goes Dramatic. So in this clip. A little trumpet going off. Yes. Yeah, so what you see here is that this this woman who is dressed like Amy Sumba McPherson did um, is preaching this really, really dramatic sermon. And it is also sort of a vaudeville production uh-huh. and a, there are people in extraordinary costumes. There's an orchestra. It is amazing. And this very tiny, beautiful woman 
is preaching. But what I love about it, because I mean, any of that you could have just found out by Googling Amy Semple McPherson. But what I love yeah. about it is that she's sweating profusely oh, really? while she's doing it. And she's, it's, it's this extraordinary moment of exertion for her. Mm-hmm. And it, through the course of the show, they, they investigate what her private, her life off the pulpit or off the stage outside uh-huh. of the pulpit must have been like, uh-huh. and their attention to detail is so stunning. And usually I complain about how TV shows depict mm-hmm. religious people, especially minoritized religious practitioners in one way or another. Mm-hmm. It's usually just, you know, they needed a consultant is what I'm saying. But whoever worked on Perry Mason, I salute you, whoever that is, because it was just such a huge thrill. I just, I loved it. I, that is amazing. Um, and I know because of your dedication and your work on Amy Sumpel McPherson, to see a depiction like that, it must oh, be. It was so great. Let me ask you a meta scholarly question okay. about language. I have noticed, even in this episode, but also recently, you have made a linguistic switch that I have not made in my in my diction. And I wonder if you could explain why you have made it and if I should make the change. <laughs> you do not say minority. You say minoritized. Can you talk about why you say that? Oh, I think I know what it means and why, but I have not actually made that switch in my language. Yes. And I'm wondering if, I, if it means what I think it means and if I should make the switch. And if you think listeners should make the switch. Well, care to comment? Care to comment? Wow, that was not what I, I thought you would I ask. Know, I know, I know, I know. Um, it's so a day for surprises. I use it as a way of signaling that there is a mainstream uh-huh. that has been constructed historically mm-hmm. um, and that there are people who are kept out of that mainstream. Mm-hmm. Not that that is an important, necessarily like a key marker of their human character yeah like they are so a they minority. are not a minority they have been yes. minoritized similar to like the switch from slave to enslaved which yes. is which is a linguistic change i want to say that i really like and i think people should adopt mm-hmm. because it doesn't it takes a second to switch but you should yes and so i think it's sort of a nod to the action that puts certain groups in minorities are yeah. in 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 the margins yeah Versus the mainstream. Yeah, yeah. Instead of saying that this is like a key identity marker. Yeah. So a so witchcraft communities yep. have historically been aggressively minoritized. Right. Right? So they have been um, uh, under penalty of death. You know, yeah. people have been um, taken outside of mainstream mm-hmm. practices and and. Um, that makes it a significant challenge for them to practice and exist and to thrive. And there are there, there are bazillions of books yeah, yeah. <laughs> written about that. And that doesn't necessarily mean um, that that says any th- any particular thing about their yeah. religion yeah. or their or any other yeah. aspect of their identity. Yeah. I've not I haven't really thought about it to yeah. be totally honest, but you just asked me and so this is my no, this is great. This is my off the I think cuff. this is great education. I think this is helpful. I here's where I think it's a little bit different though from the language of slave and enslaved. Mm, mm-hmm. I, I, and why I'm not ready to make that switch yet, self-consciously mm-hmm. on the minority minoritize. I'm not sure that those are two equal kinds of categories. Like I'm not sure that the word minority is exactly ontological in the same way that slave has been. Right. Right. So I'm not sure that that's true. Well, it certainly hasn't been theologized in the same way as well. And it may be the case that some people who are part of quote unquote minorities groups of various kinds, ideological or otherwise are actually proud of that. 
mm-hmm. or are happy mm-hmm. about that. Whereas people are not usually proud of the slave status. It's enslaved. It's something, it's an act of violence that's done to you. I don't know that being a minority is an act of violence done to somebody in that same way, or it wouldn't, I could imagine that in some cases it could be, but I don't see it as parallel exactly to the slave and slave. No. Thing. Yeah. But I wouldn't I'm, but I'm thinking, com- but I'm, that's how I'm thinking about it though. That it's a, it's a move like that. And I'm trying to decide whether to adopt this language. And I don't know. Well, I think of the minoritized minority language as a sociological mm-hmm. discussion. Yeah. So, and so you could be someone who is not in the minority mm-hmm. in the sense that you could be numbers wise mm-hmm. bigger mm-hmm. than um, it, you could be numbers wise majority, right. but you could be minoritized sure. culturally. So for example, I see. many churches are made up of women mostly, mm-hmm. and they are made up of, in terms of the people who actually run the church. Oh, I see where this they is They are run. This is good. Churches are you, often, uh, and this is at least in the United States, cross-cultural and ethnic and racial boundaries that mm-hmm. women are often the ones who run an organization, and right. yet they are not in positions of power. They are uh, minoritized. Right. It's, it, it's an act the, that's done. It's not about the numbers. Yes. It's, an, it's something, and the, and minor, the language of minoritized actually signals the fact that this is a choice. It's an action. It's an action that's happening to people, not simply something that someone are, especially in that particular case. Mm-hmm. So that's why wow. I find it to be useful sometimes. That's a great example. That's a really so, good example. Oh, I like that thanks. A lot. And I don't know if it works in every case, but that's why I used it because it could signal groups, okay. even if they are n- numerically in the minority, yeah, but yeah. they culturally don't have the power to do, you know, to be considered majority. I'm glad I had this learning moment. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to force <laughs> I, you into somebody it. Somebody, some sociologist could argue with me. No, I think I think I think you're. I think oh, you're onto something. We're gonna get letters. Send it our way. <laughs> This has been a production of Weird Religion. A podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway. Follow us on Twitter or Instagram. Follow us into the ocean. Allow your heart to blossom. Retreat into the gorgeous and haunted forests of your mind. Find us there.